Hi. Hey, guys. Hello, Instagram. Hey, Instagram. Hello, podcast world. Sorry, we're six minutes late. Um, my husband here is a Gen X. He knows little to nothing about Instagram, and so... I'm just eye candy. That's all I am. He's my eye candy. But here we are. So you want to get our co-star? Yep. I'm going to get... Invited. Oh, my mother. Hi, mom. I'm going to get somebody invited here. Is this what I do? Um, Nope, that's not what I want to do. So I'm going to... Fill some time. Hey, happy uh, St. Patrick's Day Eve to everybody out there. This is a pretty big one. I know a lot of you probably are at your St. Patrick's Eve church service or just got out. Um, Actually, I don't think that's a real thing. That's probably not a real thing. I don't know much about St. Pat. I'm sure he's a great guy. sure he looked great in green. Uh, Appreciate him and his contribution to the world. Um, Does he any comments on that? (laughs) None, other than I like the color green. Yeah, that's that's great. In Chicago, we do dye our river green, which is kind of a fun, quirky tradition, but it does draw some excitement this season. It's true. Mm-hmm. It's true. Um, so, Doug should be joining us momentarily. Mm-hmm. But tonight... Uh, what we're going to be talking about, the subject for this evening is um, disciple-making in the home. So we're excited to talk about that. We're excited to be joined by Doug and by Josie. Mm-hmm. Normally, I am joined by the indefatigable Lewis Fitch Clark III, uh, but he is not joining us today. Um, not because the topic, like we're talking about disciple-making in the home, and that's why Louis. That is not not why Louis here. Louis is sixty three years old, single his entire life, has no biological children to speak of. Um, however, he's the most well read, well studied, well versed man uh, when it comes to the ideas of making disciples and family. So we'll, well, I'm sure we'll be hearing Louis at some point. But I would like to introduce you to the uh, the esteemed. Jay Douglas Hunt is joining us here. Hello, Doug. Hi. Um, do you like the fan on oh, my head? That's kind of nice. Yeah. I didn't know that, yeah. that was going to look that. I didn't know that was going to look that good. Yeah, no, it looks yeah. like a neat little hat that you spin that thing that you got you at go. the circus. Uh, hey, Doug, good to see you. Yeah, sorry um, about the trouble getting getting in. So, but hey, here we are. Happy you're here, uh, everyone. This is. Jay Douglas Hunt. The reason why we kicked Louie off the, the podcast this time and invited Doug is Doug is one of our favorite peoples in the world. He's a, a godly man, a disciple maker, a savant on the guitar, uh, an amateur magician whose tricks stupefy no. my son. And my daughter calls him the magic man. Look, look. The sleight of hand. And there it is again, ladies it's, and gentlemen. It's impressive. Uh, it's very That impressive. was free. That was free. Uh, Doug, why don't yeah. you introduce yourself a little bit and your family and yeah. Yeah, well, uh, as as Ryan has said, my name is Doug Hunt and live in Dalton, Georgia, northwest Georgia, a little south of Chattanooga, Tennessee. And I've been here for almost five years. Um, I've been married to Shelly for 
22, a little over 22 years. And we met in Little Rock, Arkansas in 1997. Where got all married. the love stories begin. It's true. It's true. Most people don't re realize that, but that's where they all go back if you, to. If you've listened to us country music, you know, you know that's where it all starts. Yeah, it's in there. It's in there. And we just do what country music tells us to. So that's, that's uh, how we got there. Beautiful. So we, Beautiful. we met in 97, married in 98, and we have three three kids, uh, Emily, who is 17, uh, James, who is 15, and Andy, who is nine. And so uh, it's an uh, amazing little family. And our two dogs, Otis and Henry, can't leave them out. I mean, they are, they're part of the package. So, Yeah. Uh, Would you like people to pray for Otis? I know he's recently had a medical uh, diagnosis. That's fine. We're fine. We're fine. I mean, you can't, if anybody wants to, they can. But Okay. Healing for the diabetes for your overweight dog. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he, um, he's he's doing he's doing fine. Good. We're happy to hear that. Great guy, Otis. Uh, we have yeah. another wonderful co-host that I'm delighted to introduce to you. This is my wife, Josie Nicole, my friend with benefits, and we are. Josie is the warmest, uh, most kind-hearted, most hospitable person that I know. So I'm through, and she's gorgeous. So that's cool. Um, so we are thrilled to have her thoughts here tonight on what it means to make disciples in the home. So Josie, why don't you introduce yourself and maybe our little family? Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, Ryan and I, uh, met in Chicago here, um, over 10 years ago. We're just going to be celebrating our 10 year anniversary this summer. We have a son who is going to turn six very soon and we have a daughter who's three. Um, we live on the north side of Chicago in a really unique neighborhood, um, very diverse. A lot of immigrants and refugees are our neighbors, and so we enjoy being here in this area. Um, yeah, and we joined ICON a couple years ago as official ICON staff and enjoy making disciples, um, and in particular, using our home as a, as a means of doing that truth um okay so to to start tonight's conversation about making disciples in the home i want to start off by saying there's probably about 48 million people in this country that would be more qualified to speak to this than mm -hmm. uh us we are we are 10 years into marriage six years into parenting um so we have not walked through all of these seasons that are involved in making disciples of children, but we have been a part of disciple making ministry for 20 years. And I feel like a lot of the principles that apply there apply to the families too. But that's why we brought in the big hitter, uh, Doug Hunt, which is that six, six to eight gray hairs, maybe. No, it's you. It's yeah. You. It's you. Yeah. Um, I, I keep, I keep the hair, I keep the hair short so that the gray can't be seen. So my gray. son, Andy right. says, my my son Andy says when the sunlight hits it just right, you can see the gray. So appreciate that <laughs> encouragement. Andy. Yeah, yeah, very perceptive children. Yeah. Um, okay, so Doug, you have recently written kind of a four-part um, series of articles on your blog, which abiding in Jesus. That's yep. Dot something. Yep. Dot blog. Dot something blog. like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then as well for our uh, ministry, iconministries.org, these four articles yep. are on there. Um, and in that, you're talking about dis believing that disciple-making begins in the home. Uh, right. tell, us, tell us about that. Tell us what that means. Um, 
Yeah, you know, and that, it's you know, and, I, and I'll I'll speak in probably some um, pretty broad strokes because uh, it's a it, like you said, you know, there's a lot of people that are super qualified, and it's a massive, massive topic to talk about. But for me, um, and, and and it's kind of like you were saying, I, I feel like I'm still, and Shelly and I are still on this nonstop journey of figuring it out. So anything I say, uh, it's all just part of our process of learning. Um, but when I go back, uh, just even in the Bible, when I go back to Genesis, when God was creating things and he decided, hey, we're going to create people. And he said, let's make man in our own image. And then he, he made them, he said, and he made them in his own image, you know, man and woman. And so from the very beginning, um, the family, when the family was created, it was created to, to bear the image of the creator. And, and so the family is, uh, it is like the most basic, pure expression of who God is. And so for us as um, parents or spouses, and, and for me, you know, so I'll speak, you know, from husband and dad perspective, you know, what I feel is the, uh, the responsibility or the calling or the weight, uh, all of those things, the joy, the privilege of, of being the person who was created by God to help my family best bear the image of God and figure that out. And so when, when he created Adam and Eve in the image of himself, he didn't say, okay, then there's going to be this other thing out here that's going to help you figure that out. It is, it is, uh, you are going to bear that image. You're going to figure that out together. And so I, and, and then you get to the new Testament to Ephesians, uh, in Ephesians five, when, when Paul is talking about, you know, husbands and wives and even about, uh, children in Colossians and fathers in, in Ephesians. And, but he says, you know, I can only speak to what he tells husbands, but he says, you know, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church uh, and gave himself up for her. And so that part of, you know, the, a, the beginning place of um, putting on display the sacrificial love of Jesus, we're being told right there, Hey, that is, that is seen so purely and so clearly in the way that a husband relates to his wife. It is seen in, uh, in the way that a family operates. So for me, it just starts there. And that's not taken away from all of the other places where the spiritual formation of kids and husbands and wives happen. But, but to me, it just seems in the beginning and they're pretty close to the end. We're, we're kind of seeing that kind of in the design of just how God made us. So it's yeah. just a big deal. So. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Josie, do you agree or disagree with Doug? <laughs> or, is this an argument? Or, is this a debate? <laughs> yeah. You know, this is one of those hot topic debate shows. All right. Okay. Awesome. We're having other people Josie's, call in, yeah. too. Yeah. No. Here's what Doug meant to say, Josie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And just thinking about God's creation and the origin of man and, and the purpose of man. Um, and even staying in, in the Old Testament close to Genesis, and I feel like Deuteronomy 6 also really brings some of this out of what is the purpose of family and what is the purpose of parents. Um, and I did, I don't know that I printed 
printed that out. Um, but I, I can kind of paraphrase what it says in Deuteronomy. But um, basically, um, God is saying, like, first and foremost, love me with all of your heart and embrace my command wholeheartedly. Um, yeah. And while you're doing that, um, we want you to be sharing the story of God's redemption with your children. Um, as you're laying down, as you're walking on the road, um, be sharing these stories, um, be sharing my commands, be sharing my love with your children. Um, have my, my word in front of you ever before you as a reminder to you. Because I think the, you know, the sort of the big sin of Israel was their forgetfulness. Yeah. And so how can you ever have God's love and his instruction before you and before your family so that you would remember and that you could worship? And um, even down a little bit further... Um, you know, in the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of all of these things, then you give him an answer. Or if your daughter asks, like you have an answer um, to them. And so just that for parents to know, be at the ready, um, to be able to explain and instruct their, their children. And I think that passage in Deuteronomy, definitely look it up. I, I really didn't do it justice, um, is a great um, template, I think, for family and, and how parents can come alongside their children and help them remember the goodness of God, um, not just in their own personal family, but even the larger narrative, the grand story of what God has been doing since the beginning and that we're engrafted into that story that's our story as well and it's a great a great picture how the things of faith and the things of god are just integrated into everyday life like yeah it didn't, he didn't moses wasn't giving instructions on how to have like a family worship service he gave instructions on how on a daily basis to remind children who they are and to whom they belong and the story that they're yep. part mm -hmm. um doug in your Okay, you kind of wrote that four-part series. In the first part, you kind of focused in on, my understanding was, what it means to like lay down your life, what that looks like to lay down your life for Shelby, for your family, how a critical component that is to disciple-making. Do you want to expound on that a little bit? Um, sure, or, yeah. <laughs> maybe, you maybe you haven't read the article uh, for a yeah, while. Yeah, let me, let me read that real quick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sounds, sounds great. Uh, no, I, it's... It, to me, it goes back to um, very early in our marriage. And I remember um, being, honestly, being just kind of anxious about what does it mean to do this right, to do marriage right, to be a good husband. And I was pretty scared, honestly. I, I did not want to blow it. Um, and I had all of the baggage right there that would have made it very easy to blow it. And so I was, you know, I really wanted to do it right. And, and I asked a lot of people, uh, men that I respected, Hey, can you, you know, give me sort of the, the formulaic answer on if I do these things, this number of times in this way, then everything's going to work fine. And nobody would answer that for me. And nobody, and it, and it was very, very frustrating that no one could give me 
that. You know, they'd almost laugh when I would ask that question and I didn't get it. Um, and so part of um, my response was, I mean, I just, I think with the right motive, I tried to figure it out, you know, and I, and I probably over tried uh, with my wife, you know, tried to really probably thought of myself more as her, you know, I needed to be her teacher kind of approach to it, which did not go over very well with Shelly. Um, and, you know, and I don't know what the turning point was. It may have just been just my own like time in the word, but then it just realized, and I, I, I realized that I remember hearing my grand, one of my grandmothers, you know, she was talking about Ephesians five sitting in her kitchen and she was, she was talking about, you know, some of the controversy that there would be around what it says about the wife's relationship to the husband and submission and that whole idea. And she says, well, she said something like, well, I don't know what all the fuss is because it tells the husbands they got to lay down their lives for their wife. And that's, that sounds like a hard part to me. I'd much rather just have to submit. And so I just appreciated granny right there. But, um, but for me that those kind of things were, were kind of light bulb moments that, that the call on my life to, to begin to create an environment in my home that looks like Jesus and that honors God. For me as the husband, um, it, it begins with me every day. You know, it's kind of that take up your cross daily and follow him. Deny yourself daily. It's the same way for me as a husband. It is every day choosing to do whatever that day brings to lay down, to sacrifice myself. Uh, so that um, that Jesus is seen in some way in my family. And sometimes that's little things that I choose to do when I don't feel like doing them. And I'm not great at it. I don't want to sound like I've, I've bat a thousand on it. Um, sometimes it's, it's bigger things. Um, but um, the, the, to me, it goes back the move of Jesus um, to the earth. God sending his son was... Um, a move of the greatest move of sacrificial love. Mm -hmm. That is the way that love was displayed. And so for us as followers of Jesus, as husbands, um, as parents, uh, that's the step of love for us to put God on display in our home. It begins in us choosing, uh, choosing humility and saying, okay, what do I need to do uh, to lay down my life, to lay down my, selfishness to fight against my pride so that um, my wife knows that she's loved so that she can see Jesus so that my kids know that I love my wife and they can see Jesus in the way that I love my wife um, and hopefully create the kind of environment that says, okay, this is what love is. Greater love is no one than this. Then he lay down his life for his friends. Greater love is no one than this. Then he lay down his life for his wife, his kids. So, uh, so for me, it really starts there, you know, yeah. and, and, and the, all the things that kind of answer that question. And I'm never done answering that question. You don't, it's not, um, okay, how do I lay down my life for Shelly? Okay, check. I, I can move on now to the next thing. That is every day throughout the day, uh, walking in the goodness of that. So we're, we're talking about how to make disciples in our home, which I think we would talk about, like, what to teach, what to do, the activities. But what you're describing isn't a lesson. What you're describing is just a, a way of life, right? A, yeah, yeah, a, and and yeah, and you know, and that's 
people still ask, you know, the question that I asked 23 years ago, what do I need to do? What is the list that's going to get this done? And I get that, you know, that's a, that would be really, really nice if we had that answer, but it, it really is, I think begins with sort of the being of who we are, how, who are we going to be? Yeah. And when we, when we choose to be a person of sacrifice yeah. and humility, we'll figure the other things out. Well, and, and that kind of relates to the part two of what you wrote. Um, you, in that, you said, we, we set the stage for discipleship at home by pursuing a life uh, that we want our children to imitate. Yeah. Uh, can you speak to that a little bit more? I mean, I hear you talking about, like, the perspective you, you have as a father. Yeah. What you want other parents to have. Yeah. What does that look like? Well, yeah, you know, and, and I think that the Christian faith is an imitative faith. You know, Jesus to the disciples originally, follow me. Um, uh, and Paul, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. Those things don't go away um, for the family. I think they're even more magnified in the family because, uh, you know, my kids and my wife, they've seen me uh, in the really good and they've seen me in the really bad. Um, they, they, they are the ones that, um, they know if the words that I am saying match up to the life that I'm living. And, and I, I think it was Robert Coleman, um, who said something like, um, yeah, a, a, uh, a living sermon, um, is worth more than a thousand preached sermons or something like that. You know, there's the living example, just the power of the living example. And so, you know, there's, there's things that, um, that I want to, to, I guess, put on display, you know, not for the sake of saying I did it, but there's certain uh, attributes of following Jesus that I want to make sure that my family can see in my life. Uh, so that there, so that there is, um, maybe wait to what, when, when we speak the words, you know, and that's the way that, uh, you know, in our family, it's the way that my kids see me treat my wife. It's the way that they see me treat the other kids. It's the, um, the spiritual disciplines in my life. I want them to see that their dad loves the word of God and wants to spend time with Jesus. I want them to uh, see me and I want them to see Shelly choose to love other people in a sacrificial way. And because that puts, that puts the example right there in front of them. Uh, so, you know, there's all kinds of things that, that uh, I guess we would want them to imitate, but it's anything, you know, for us setting the stage is living the life. And when we're living the life, when we're pursuing it, you know, when we get it right or, and I'm sure, you know, we get it wrong all the time, it gives us kind of uh, the meat for the message, I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Am I? Yeah, you're you're scratching where we're itching. Yeah, yeah. and I think um, seeing your uh, from a child's perspective or a young person's perspective, I feel like um, parents who attend church um, and come home from church and they kind of live um, their faith on Sunday, and it isn't super relatable the rest of the week. Um, is one thing, but if you have yeah. parents who have a lived faith where they're wrestling with it, where they're um, exploring it, where yeah. they get excited about it, 
where it is practical that kids can see that, oh, this, it, this faith is livable and this faith can offer joy and adventure and yeah. um, sacrifice comes hard, but I, I see my parents do it and I know it's possible and, and the Holy Spirit empowers that. So just to see like a lived faith, um, I feel like is very attractive thing. Um, and yeah. really can, you know, help pull your kids into your faith story and help them practice their own faith as you're practicing your own faith. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's helpful for them because, you know, there's so much about, you know, of following Jesus that is really upside down from the rest of the world and the things that, that, that they are told. And, uh, and there's so many other voices saying to pursue this or live this way or that way. Um, but then if we just say, hey, well, this is what the Bible says, or this is what you ought to do. Uh, it's just a very, very helpful lesson or helpful um, way for them to interpret it when they have the living example in front of them, trying to figure it out. And that's and that's the thing. I mean, we. Uh, and, and then I think I wrote about this in another part. I mean, there's definitely moments where we miss it and we get it wrong as parents, but that's part of the journey that we, we bring them into. And we, we say, Hey, we're figuring this out too. And we're taking, we're trying to figure out faith too, and take these steps too. And that helps them know, okay, it's, it's not about just being perfect, but it's about the journey of faith and them having something to look to in that. Yeah. Well, you know, physically, children children bear a resemblance to their parents. Like my my son has my eyes and my smile and my nose, and my daughter has the facial structure and the propensity to slobber during sleep that my wife has. Um, it's true, you know, it's true. And if I would have known we were sitting this closely, I would have probably brushed my teeth. So I won't apologize. I didn't. Um, but what I'm saying is, uh, it. So children bear the resemblance of their of their parents, and as such, we are to bear the resemblance of our father. And I just think it's it's terribly ironic and sad that sometimes we hope the hopes we have for our children, um, the devotion to God, they they are things that we fail to pursue ourselves. And if we are not doing that, then then why would we expect our children to do that? Yeah. Yeah. So, but so, but I think okay. Well, then, what do I need to get them involved in? What do I need to sign them up for? Where can I find the best Awana program in town? I got to get them doing the right things. But what a fool I am to think that if I do all of those things, but I myself am not loving God with my heart, soul, mind, and strength, then I'm not going to get the, the product that I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, I remember when I, I was a youth pastor in five year, for five years in Little Rock, Arkansas, the love I did, Doug, I did not find love there, as you did. I did find you, and I love you. Yeah, well, and I love you, too. So that's that's, good. that's a good moment. More phileo yeah. than uh, any other eros kind of things. But um, So I remember meeting, I was a youth pastor at the church. I remember meeting with one of the real pastors, Steve Campbell. Shout out, Steve Campbell, board member of Icon Ministries. And we were talking... And he just said to me, Ryan, I actually said, Ryan, um, <laughs> I won't do the whole thing in the Southern accent, but um, 
So the most important thing that you're giving these students, it's not your weekly talks. It's not the small group you're leading. It's not the mission trips in the summer. It's not the, the camps that you're going on or the service projects. The most important thing that you are giving these students is your own personal connection to Jesus. Yeah. And, I, and I'll never forget that because um, it was just the, the center point of, oh, that's right. Like, that's what I have to offer this world. Not my activities, not my credentials, but me walking with Jesus. And that, that, Josie, that Spurgeon quote that you like that says, nearness to God brings likeness to God. The more you see God, the more God will be seen in you. Yeah. C.H. Spurgeon's mic drop moment. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, Doug, part three, you started getting into talking about grace. Um, Tell us more about that. How, how can we mirror the grace that has been given to us in Jesus in our families? Yeah, and I, I uh, it's, this is probably one that I feel like I, you know, unfortunately have to, you know, live in this lesson, you know, too many times with probably my, my kids and my wife. Um, You're not alone, Doug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that little therapy moment for me right there. No, um, that you know so much of the the Christian life is just it's about grace I mean that is again you know the move of God towards us in Jesus was a gift an undeserved gift of grace and uh, grace is so hard to understand because it doesn't make sense you know get receiving grace ourselves and giving grace is not you know, necessarily the way of the world. And, uh, and, and by living it out in different ways that again, that helps put on display the, the, the grace in the image of God. And, and uh, there's no more perfect place for grace to be lived out than within relationships. And there's no, you know, closer in reality relationships than that, that are in a family living together. And so, what the way, you know, I guess different ways that I think about grace being shown to my kids um, uh, or grace being put on display to my kids. Probably the biggest one and the hardest one is for, um, for me is them learning the lesson um, through my error that their dad is a person who needs grace. Um, I mean, they have seen me you know, they've seen me mess up. I, I mean, there's, there's been times they've seen me majorly lose my, lose my cool with people right in front of them. Um, I have lost my cool with them, uh, you know, and it, and it's just not good. You know, it's not pretty when that happens. Um, and, you know, and there's, there's moments along the way, I guess, as the dad, you can sort of pull the dad card and well, it's my right as a dad to, you know, to come down like that, whether it was exactly right or not, you know, and, um, but, but the way that I think that we show and model grace is when we come to our kids and it's hard you, when you come to your kids in humility and you say to them, when, when I say to my kids, I was wrong. Um, I did not treat you in, um, a God honoring way or, I didn't need to use that tone of voice uh, and asking them for forgiveness. Uh, and that, that's a, that's hard for me, you know, and it, and that really pokes at my pride. 
Um, and, but I all, what I always find out, what I always experience in that, those moments is one is that I know that it's right. Uh, I know that, um, that is, it is the right Christ following thing to do, but I'll also find, have found with my kids and my wife that they extend grace and there's forgiveness. Um, and so we're, we're all learning. I'm learning to be a recipient of grace as a prideful father. And my kids are learning to hear their dad messes up and to give grace. And, uh, and so that teaches them hopefully to be gracious people and to, to learn that it's okay to admit when you mess up and to ask for grace. And, and hopefully that, over time, you know, in those experience brings, brings light to the grace of God that, that we've all experienced. And, and to me, that's a, that's a huge one. Again, that's not another thing. You don't, okay, well, I checked off. I, I displayed grace today and we're, we've got that lesson down. That is an ongoing thing because as a, for me, as a follower of Jesus, I always need grace from God. And, and I know as a dad, I'm always going to need grace from my family. And I want my kids to see that. And I want them to see, you know, in all areas of life. You know, I mess up in area, every area of life. So there's, there's lots of grace needed here. Um, so that's a, that's a big part of it for me. And, um, again, that's a, that's a hard one. But I think, I think it's right, though. Um, Doug, I liked all four parts of your vlog series. I especially liked this one. And I think, um, I think as parents and as disciple makers, there is somehow this unspoken expectation or standard that we have things put together and we should be yeah. more polished because we are further along, we are older, we have more wisdom, yeah. we have more life experience. Um, and so what you know whether that's right or wrong it is what it is but i feel like we did then follow suit right and we adopt yeah. that attitude as well like okay i need to like be buttoned up and i want to make myself presentable that i'm a godly person and that i'm worthy of leading you um yeah. and but to me like what you said about grace um reminded me that there's it's an acknowledging that we are like our kids. Yeah. You know, we are very much like them. We are people in need of God's mercy. Yeah. They are as little screaming three-year-olds that won't eat their dinner or complain all dinner because you're serving, you're not serving mac and cheese or pizza. Um, and, and just like for me and my own like adult temper tantrums that are more socially appropriate. Right. Um, but <laughs> we are like each other. Um, and that yeah. I should be more grieved, just as grieved or more grieved by the sin that is in me than the sin that is in my child, that we are yeah. both works in progress, that I'm not better than, um, I may be further along and hopefully have some more maturity in me, but we are equally in process and we are both co-partakers in the grace of God. Um, yeah. And I think to me, what you wrote about just um, encourages a tenderness in our hearts and a humility, which like you said, is very hard and very humbling. Um, but as parents, it, it makes us relatable. Like I want my kids to know that mommy's not perfect and that I can sit with them in 
their despair or their sadness or their remorse for, you know, treating a friend a certain way and say, buddy, I yeah. get it. I have been there and I am so sorry. Um, and just sit with them in that. And I feel like to just to be a relatable parent, there's so much um, power in that. To be an empathetic parent, there's so much power in that. Yeah. And so, yeah, I really appreciated what you shared in that post. Yeah, and I, it, it, you know, and it's, it's grace. And, you know, with that, it, it comes transparency and vulnerability and, uh, and those are hard things. And, you know, and, you know, we have, we have a nine-year-old uh, and, you know, and then two teenagers, two high schoolers, so elementary and two high schoolers. And, and so, you know, that for us, you know, in our home, uh, it's a really important thing for us to be um, a, a very open home in the sense of all conversations are safe. And, and we try to model that, you know, Shelly and I try to model that. And I, and I know even, you know, and that, that may be a little different in some things that I share with my older kids than I would with my younger kids. But I even go back to a couple of years ago and there was a, a season that I walked through personally that was really hard, um, kind of emotionally and spiritually. And, you know, it's kind of a dark kind of inner time. And it was important to me uh, to a certain level that I wanted my kids to know, Hey, your dad's walking through this season where his, where his soul is just tired. And this is what that's looking like for me. And, um, and I didn't, I want, I wanted them to know that not so much that there was any expectation for them to do anything, but, but I wanted them to know, Hey, you know, this is how, even as a follower of Jesus, we go through these moments and we walk through times of need and we need, um, maybe more grace. We need more mercy. We, we need that ourselves from God and we're figuring that out. And, uh, and hopefully what that does is that creates an environment, you know, over time in our home where vulnerability and transparency can become a little bit more normal and grace, um, where grace can abound, you know, and, and it be a place where grace is experienced at all levels. So, um, we are we are imperfect, you know, as parents and husbands and um, all of that. So, yeah, yeah, and and that and just embracing that that's not a problem; that's an opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Those are those are teachable, yeah. teachable moments that make it real. Um. Okay, so Doug, we, we wanted to get practical. We haven't yet got real practical, but it has been about 40 minutes. Do you think we should hit on practicals or do we want to come back a, another time and do that justice and demystifying things? Uh, you're the boss, man. We'll yeah, do whatever you older. say. I didn't know if your bladder was, <laughs> I was kind of giving you a way out. Like, Man, I, I'm, <laughs> okay. I know I am older. I'm yeah. older. Yeah, that's but but I'm but I'm good. But if we need to stop for now and then come back, that maybe that would be good, and that might just create a little more more space for you know to to dig into that. Um, yeah, because I, I, I you've got a you've got a lot of good things to say about demystifying things and then not making this such an overwhelming or uh, yeah uh, impossible thing for, for yeah. parents. 
So I think we'd spend some time in that and talking about and getting real specific. And I want Josie to share about some specific spiritual practices in our home that she's spearheaded and, and does with our children. I think that'd be great. Um, you know, I think it, it, I think maybe uh, kind of sum up some things for me, you know, and this is what, well, I don't know if it'll be a bow, maybe, maybe like a half bow. Until um, part two. Yeah, this will, yeah, the, the teaser, you know, the cliffhanger. Um, yeah, again, I can go all the way back at the beginning of this whole conversation and, and know that feeling of this whole conversation is just overwhelming for, for people. Uh, it's intimidating to think, well, you know, I'm, I'm just not there. I don't even know what to do. Um, and, you know, and, and I would want to just encourage anyone that is, you know, a dad or husband, a mom, and one, just say that you have Christ in you and that is enough. You have plenty in you. Um, but then for me, you know, going back to the image of God is that one of the things that I pray, and this is where so much of it starts for me, is I pray that I would, I would see my family through the, through the right lens and that, you know, I, I want my, I want my kids to grow up to be good people. You know, I mean, who, what parent does it, but being a growing up to be a good member of society is not the lens that I want to view them through. I want to view them through the lens of the image of God and the possibility of God in their life, that they are, that God um, and his kingdom has something really good for them and uh, that his identity for them is greater than any identity that the world could give for them. Um, and I don't want to, I don't want to aim too low. I don't want to have a lens for them that is, that is way too small than the lens of the kingdom. And so that's what I pray, you know, and that's what just encourage, you know, that for parents that are going, okay, where do I begin? Let's, you know, all of us just pray daily. God, just help me see my kids the way you see my kids. Um, I love, I mean, all of our, all, I know everybody, they love their kids. Um, but sometimes we all, I know I need just to have my sights set for them in the right way so that I, so that I can love them better. Um, and so it's just having that, praying to have that kingdom perspective for them uh, helps me a ton. Mm -hmm. Amen. Josie? Yeah. Yeah, and I, um, I'm i a big fan of Paul Tripp, and he has a parenting book um, that I have on my shelf and I go to here and there um, regularly. And what's it called? It's a riveting title. It's called Parenting. It's called Parenting. So it's, I I'm not um, sure what it's about, but it's creative. It's it is. called Parenting, 14 Gospel Principles That Can Radically Change Your Family. What a tagline, right? But they are for me because like you said, it's all about our perspective. It's all about the lens we're looking through. Um, and I appreciate that aspect. I think, I think there's a lot of really good parenting books out there about what to do, what not to do, those sort of things, the practical aspects of handling tantrums or talking through serious issues with your kids, discipline things, but he really gets at the heart of what is our role as a parent and what are the needs of our kids and that our job, like that's what defines our job as parents based off of those needs of our kids. Um, but one thing that he says is the most wonderful gift God gives us in parenting and disciple making is himself. In every moment you are parenting, you are being parented. 
in every moment you are called to give grace, you are being given grace. Yeah. Um, and the, that idea of like, God is still our father as we are mothers and fathers. Like we are not above or beyond our need to be fathered by our heavenly father. Um, and that he is caring for us as we are caring for our kids tirelessly. Um, and he loves our kids, you know, as much as and more than we even do and working on behalf of both of us, all of us as a family. Um, so God alone is your hope and um, the hope of your child. And remembering that, like, it's, yeah. it's a team effort. It's a team thing. Um, and God is the hope of our family. So I, I appreciated those thoughts from Paul Tripp. Amen. Doug, any parting comments? Um, no, I mean, I, I just pray that, you know, that all of us would um, be open to the grace of the journey and, and embrace it and, and believe, you know, that uh, as a parent, um, as a husband, that, that our family, the way that it is, was in the purpose of God. Um, he... He put us. He put us in this family. He put us in this place and in this time because that was the pleasure of in the pleasure of His will uh, for us to live that out in the pleasure of who He is, walking in His grace. And so I, I just pray that um, that all of us would, and for me, would embrace that and see that more and more, and believe that since He has made this little family, that He has given us everything that we need in Jesus to, for this family to be what he wants it to be. And that is not some impossible target to aim at. It is a joy and a pleasure to aim at just surrendering to him and depending upon him and his spirit. And so um, I look forward to uh, part two when we get, get there. So. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get practical next time. Um, Doug, we love you. Thanks for sharing with us. You're great. Yep. Pleasure to love y'all. Be in the in the battlefield with you. Mm -hmm. I love you. You're great too. Aww. We should hang out tonight. Love you too. Okay. You guys, thanks oh, everyone wow. for joining us too. We appreciate your presence here with us. All right. See y'all. Go. Mm -hmm. Bye. <laughs>